Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of the One Good Scare podcast. I'm Natalie Zamora, and I'm joined here by with my co-host, Max Mallow. And we took a quick hiatus from the podcast. We're back now. We're better than ever. We are here today to talk about the Fear Street movies coming to Netflix. Uh, the first movie comes out next Friday, July 2nd, so definitely mark your calendars. We're going to be talking to one of the stars of the trilogy in just a little bit. So, hey, Max. Hey, welcome back. Yeah, welcome back. Yeah. We're back. Apologies for all of our listeners out there for the hiatus. Um, Army of the Dead just really upset me. Um, <laughs> now, the the, the Fear Street trilogy, uh, which we'll be kind of previewing a little bit today, um, is something that's been on our, our radars for a little bit. Uh, the trailer that, that recently came out from Netflix has us uh, both extremely excited for the next three movies that are coming out. And we're super excited to talk to Jeremy Ford today, who appears in the first one, 1994, and the last one, uh, 1666. Um, there are a lot of years and numbers. I titles. keep wanting to say 1966 because yeah. it throws me off that it's not 19. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've been working really hard in, in, into reading and, and saying numbers, so that's really good. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the interesting thing about these movies is that um, you'll hear from Jeremy as well um, that these are three different horror movies all piled into one trilogy, which is awesome. And it's got um, a, a title, a, a Fear Street, that's attached to it, which is a, a, a kids' book series from R.L. Stein that we all grew up with and loved, um, adjacent to to Goosebumps. And we've just been clamoring for more horror from Netflix. We're just like, hey, more horror, please. Like, if you're not going to give us Stranger Things, please give us something different. And uh, Jeremy uh, has some high praise for for this trilogy when it comes to uh, Stranger Things. So I'm really uh, really excited for all of our listeners to hear our conversation with him. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, he shed some good insight as much as he could without giving away spoilers. And I think, you know, the trailer looks awesome, but I think there's way more to it that we're not going to see until we just watch the movie. So I'm hype. I'm so hype. For sure. And the number one thing that I got from the trailers, because I love slasher movies, and mm -hmm. you're definitely going to hit the two big genres of slasher movies, which is the 90s when it comes to the meta slashers and scream. And I know what you did last summer, yada, yada, yada. And you get that, that summer camp Friday, 13 sleepaway camp type five, which is also going to be super cool. And on top of that, you're getting this, this period, this Salem witch trials esque horror film at the end of the trilogy. So, uh, really excited. Um, and, uh, and hope you guys enjoy the conversation and we'll definitely be sure to review all three movies. And that gives us content for the whole month of July. <laughs> so thank God we don't kind of brainstorm anything. There you go. There you go. Um, so before we get to our interview with Jeremy Ford, we of course have our weekly horror news roundup. Where? Did you say it? I thought you were going to say it. You'd be like, well, I've scoured the internet for everything you need to know because I'm Natalie Zamora and I know everything. <laughs> yeah. Google.com. I know everything. For sure. So this first piece of news um, is something that we knew was coming out. We didn't know any uh, information around it, but of course it is the spinoff to 
FX's American Horror Story, uh, which is American Horror Stories. They've dropped a consonant and added a vowel and another consonant and another vowel. Um, and uh, yeah, the first teaser for it um, kind of gives off some Murder House vibes, which is awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. And it is going to be released on July 15th. And man, of course, we know Double Feature is coming out uh, this summer. And that's going to be the next season in the the mainline series of American Horror Story. I wonder if they're kind of spreading themselves thin here, and they're kind of just trying to do too much. I don't know what you what you get from the teaser. I agree. I mean, I'm excited for both, especially like you said, uh, Murder House vibes with the return of the Rubber Man, the guy in that terrifying costume um, suit. But yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, I am not sure if I really want this to come out in July, then double feature to come out right after at the end of August. It's like, of course, I'm grateful for the content. But at the same time, we haven't gotten a new season of American Horror Story in years. So now this just feels like overexposure, kind of like, I just don't know how good the franchise is going to be if they're releasing stuff this frequent unless this is just kind of a one-time thing that they're doing back-to-back stuff and it's an experiment i don't know but we already know with the franchise we've talked about it a million times it gets old at some points some seasons are not as good as others and i just don't know how long they can keep the franchise alive yeah i totally get that and it's maybe just like going to the well too much to be like hey Rubber Man, Rubber Woman, Murder House, mm-hmm. uh, Dylan McDermott, and, and uh, you <laughs> Connie, know, Britton. Connie Britton. And yeah, nah, I don't know. I, I think I fell out of love with American Horror Story just like five years ago. Like Roanoke was the last one I was like extremely excited for. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. You liked Apocalypse and Cult, right? Yeah, I loved Apocalypse. Yeah, Cult was good. I loved Apocalypse. And then 1984, I didn't finish it because I just couldn't get into it. And that was, what, two years ago? Yeah, it has been a while. So, yeah, watch the trailer for that and and let us know what you think of the teaser, of course. Um, It's going to release on – it's not going to be on TV, right? It's going to be on FX now, their streaming service, right? I think it's going to be FX and then Hulu, I want to say. Okay, that that might be FX FX on Hulu. Yeah. Okay, so – I don't know if you have a Hulu subscription, you're good to go. Um, I do. Oh, you do? Well, lucky you. I don't. But my <laughs> girlfriend does. Maybe I'll still hear her Hulu account. Um, or I just won't watch this because, like, the other seasons of American Horror Story. It's just, like, too much. It's too much at some point. Um, for I'll me. let you know. Now, this next trailer is something I cannot get enough of, which is uh, Nita Costa and Jordan Peele's upcoming reboot quill sequel, spiritual sequel, of the things that come in a movie that are being that's being made after the original movie was made years ago but it's back and they're doing the same title you know all those things um it is the new trailer for Candyman and this movie is going to be the movie of the summer there's no way it's not for me uh August 27th the, this trailer hit all the notes i want out of a horror movie and Jordan Peele Nita Costa uh when they were announced to do this project together had both of us extremely excited, and now this trailer gives us some some really good visuals and, and more in-depth explanation without giving us like too much explanation because there's still some mystery behind it um, mm-hmm. from what's to come from this I sequel. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say, what, 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 what title to give this film, but it's amazing. It looks awesome. 
Yeah, I agree. I think the first trailer that came out looked good. I was excited. But when I watched the second trailer this week, got chills automatically. Like just hearing Coleman Domingo's narration in the beginning, I was like, oh my gosh. It got me so excited. And this looks fantastic. And we were just talking about it, you know, before we started recording the episode. But it looks like it's, you know, of course it's a reimagining, but it looks like it's a reimagining of Candyman, the villain not just the original movie. So I'm excited to, you know, not know what's going to happen. I'm excited for it to be something different. For sure. And the movie's in good hands. Like, I'm not worried that either Jordan Peele or Nia DaCosta would fumble this movie and just, Mm -hmm. it would be a mess going in and be like, why would you touch this project? I'm sure they did a great job with it. And I'm sure this movie is going to be amazing. Um, And we will hopefully, today is my day that I'm officially vaccinated after two weeks of getting my second dose so now if i want to go to a theater safely uh i think i can if it's safe so who knows in two months maybe we'll go see Candyman in theaters natalie that maybe that'll be the first oh you went to a theater already i went to see a quiet place too and it was awesome so i was gonna say go see that in theaters there you go you are the leader of the I Hate Quiet Place 1 fan club, so that's crazy. Apparently. Yeah, the second one was so good. I loved it. And it was so good to watch it in theaters. I would highly recommend. Did you theaters. do like a, a big megaplex or did you do? We went to Nighthawk in oh, Brooklyn. Cool. Total safe, felt comfortable. <laughs> yeah, I've actually went again. I went to go see the Hitman's Body Guards Wife or whatever. Only because there was nothing else playing and we really wanted to go to Nighthawk again. So, yeah, it felt safe. It felt, felt good. And I was more than two weeks out of my vaccination. Everyone listening, I was safe. So, And you still wear masks inside. So, Gotcha. Well, that's great. I'm glad you got to experience the theater again. Um, I'm sure I'll do it soon. But if we're going to do – if we should see a movie together. I think the last movie we saw together was Disaster Artist. No, it. That's right. We saw it. it chapter two. two. Oh God. Deleted it from your memory. Yeah. God. I totally forgot about that. That was the funniest experience walking out of that theater and you, myself, and Noam, our coworker, all just turning to each other and being like, That kinda sucked, right? And we we're like, Yeah, that kinda sucked. <laughs> you know what? We saw another bad movie after that and that was The Last Jedi. Or no, the Rise, Rise of Skywalker. Skywalker. Oh, that was after that? Oh, that was also I really bad. So. That was also really bad. And then my girlfriend was like, I enjoyed that. And we all looked at her and was like, really? <laughs> and, you know, not to not to say anything bad about my girlfriend. I love you, Kim, if you're listening. Probably not. Um, but, man, that's the one thing you don't say after walking out of a, a Star Wars new trilogy movie is, that was pretty good. No, all those movies are crap. Fuck those movies. Um, thanks for I sh- like the first two. Nah, I think I walked out of the first two saying that was pretty good. No, nah, thanks to Disney for shitting on my, my, my childhood. I appreciate that a lot. Um, but yeah, hopefully we can all see Candyman together in theaters. That would be awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the final piece of news um, that Natalie's put down, and I want to bring your attention to something else as well, um, is uh, obviously there's a prequel to Orphan coming out, um, which is, I feel like, a cult favorite for a lot of people out there uh, in mm-hmm. the horror genre. Um, Isabel Furman, um, who is returning to play uh, Esther mm-hmm. in, uh, in the prequel, um, has gone on record talking about it in an interview and she says that that people are going to be shocked by this upcoming prequel uh and the first kill so in terms of or orphan first kill rather so what do you what do you think about this are you excited for this prequel at all i'm very excited Um, (laughs) (laughs) but i threw this 
interview in here because I thought it was interesting that she said people are going to be shocked by it. But also she said what I think is most exciting about it is that it's something that's never been done cinematically. Everything's been done. Everything's been done. That's why Hollywood is remaking things. Everything has been done. That's why. That's why I wanted to talk about it. Like, what does she possibly mean? The first movie. Okay. I'm sorry. It's a good movie. It's a guilty pleasure. I thought the twist was so good. I never said it was bad. I just said it was a cult favorite. People love that movie. I. Then I said I loved it. You said, or that I was excited for the new one. You. Yeah, I don't know. Temper your expectations a little bit there, pal. I don't know. (laughs) But, no, I am excited. I don't know if it's going to be good or not. I'm just curious about this quote. Like, I just don't know what it could be that's never been done before. It's piqued my interest. It just halfway through the movie transforms into an anime. And (laughs) Esther is fighting Goku or something like that. I don't know. That that is something that's never been done before. Um or they like open a door and transport themselves into a different universe. That'd be interesting. Um, but yeah, obviously as a prequel, they have to be very careful with the whole twist in the original one and how that'll play into the prequel. So maybe that, maybe that's what she's hinting at. Um, that'll be interesting. I I probably won't see that one. (laughs) It doesn't have a release date, but be watching it whenever it does. Gotcha. Perfect. Um, I will, I'll look out for the release date and I'll think about seeing it. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm saying this now. We're recording this intro after we record the conversation with Jeremy Ford. And Jeremy told us that he was like, you guys don't pull any punches when it comes to your your takes and horror. And I was like, wow. And how I said that about this movie and I feel really bad. I'm like, was I just too harsh about that? But then <laughs> that's also going against everything he said about <laughs> the podcast. He was like, yeah, like have a take, say something. But now I'm like, nah, man, I feel bad. <laughs> I'm just really terrible. <laughs> I know. I'm like, am I that? Am I that judgmental? But that's also our job. So yeah, that, that is, it's on the job description. Be judgmental. Um, <laughs> and then the last thing: Did you see this inf- this stuff about this movie coming out called Karen? Yes. What is the deal with this? What the hell? I didn't watch. There's a trailer, right? I didn't watch that. Yeah, it's like uh, <clears throat> Twitter's been doing this thing recently. It's definitely not like brand new but it's been going on for the past couple of months and at least a year now where they'll put a description like paragraph on your explore tab for all the hashtags that are trending and all the topics and stuff and they'll just like explain what's going on briefly um so you have i guess some context when you click on a trend and i read the description for what people were talking about with this movie and i was like what was like oh no (laughs) this is not good (laughs) it's like why It, it 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 seems like a total ripoff of get out and everything that jordan peele did um, mm-hmm. with that movie. And, uh, yeah, I started to watch the trailer. I turned it off immediately. Oh, <laughs> just, why, 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 why? <laughs> I need to watch the trailer, honestly, because I'm just too curious. I'm too nosy. I need to know. But that was my initial thought, too. I saw it trending on Twitter. People said it was a knockoff of Get Out, and I was like, yep, scroll to something else. I don't need to see this. Not today, internet. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, and Taryn Manning is in it, who's like a pretty famous actress. So, don't know what that choice was, but yeah. Who knows? Um, I was like, oh, there's a movie coming out called Karen. That's gonna be kind of funny, right? Like, you could totally see a horror character being based off of a Karen. That would be yeah, awesome. um, or it'd be like a Wayans Brothers, like a new white chicks. Oh, like um, what was that movie? Was it 
Was it was a the, a haunted house a Wayne's brother movie? I think they were in it, right? They were definitely in it. I don't know if they made it, but yeah. It's, it's like they spoofed like paranormal activity and all. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be like a, I guess, a spiritual successor to Scary Movie. Scary like, Movie, yeah. Um, and I never saw those, but there's that one clip that everyone remembers from. I think it, was, it must have been around the time during Vine, where he's like, "I don't give a fuck, Keisha." At least I talk when she's talking <laughs> about the ghosts in the house. Oh man, um, fun movies, but yeah, I don't know this movie like. Why? I, that's why I say everything's been done in horror. We're 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 spinning off Get Out. It's already been done recently, yeah. and this is like doesn't look like it's done well. <sighs> is anything done well in this world? <laughs> that's a that's a question for you. Um, but hopefully, you guys think this interview with Jeremy Ford was done well. Um, we had a blast talking to him. All right, awesome. So we're gonna take our first quick break, and then when we come back, we'll have our interview with Jeremy Ford. So stay tuned. All right, everyone, we have a very special guest on the podcast today. Jeremy Ford is an actor who is starring in the upcoming Netflix movie series, The Fear Street Trilogy, which is based on Arl Stein's book series of the same name. He's featured in the first movie, 1994, and the third, 1666. You can also catch him in the Apple TV show, The Mosquito Coast, which was just recently renewed for a second season. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. Thank you, guys. It's very lovely to be here. And uh, as I already told you, I enjoy your guys' podcast. So, yeah, happy to be here. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, really appreciate you joining us and taking the time. Um, Fear Street, this three-part series, when we first saw the trailer for it, definitely excited us. We've been craving more horror content from Netflix for sure, especially with uh, no release date set for Stranger Things Season 4, as Natalie and I are both huge fans of that series, as is a huge portion of the world. Um, But when this trailer dropped, you know, you got a ton of nostalgia with just R.L. Stein being a huge part of my childhood with with Goosebumps in particular, and I'm sure with Natalie as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's awesome to have you on the show and to chat about this upcoming trilogy. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, you know, you said, you know, Stranger Things 4, you don't know when it's going to come out. This, like, the Fear Street trilogy is, like, going to, like, more than satiate that sort of Stranger Things desire. I can pretty much guarantee that. Awesome. That's super exciting. So, of course, the first question we have to ask you, were you a fan of R.L. Stein growing up? And is this something that, you know, you joined the, the project because of that? Or were you not familiar with his work? I was familiar with like Goosebumps. I didn't read it. Like everyone around me sort of read it. And I was, I don't know, I was like a, a total chicken, I guess, when I was a kid. Like I, I hated being scared. Like some kids like get like the thrill from, they, not me. Like I, I was a real sort of uh, Brady cat. Um, but honestly, I wasn't even familiar with the Fear Street books until I actually came onto the project. And then I started talking to other people sort of, you know, in our age range and our generation. And apparently they were, super popular books and I just happened to miss the train. But yeah, I mean, from what I understand, they're, they're great, but what the movies do, it's going to be a big badass. For sure. And you mentioned that, um, they that stranger things craving that everyone is going is, is having right now. And, and that this, this trilogy will kind of satiate that, um, you know, obviously Sadie Sink is in it and, and Maya Hawk who have both been in the stranger things franchise. Um, and the overall trailer, you know, obviously when, you're growing up and, and reading Goosebumps. They they do kind of give off a PG vibe. Obviously, there was that 
that Jack Black Goosebumps movie, I believe, which was also oh, yeah, PG. Yeah, very PG. Um, but this movie has all, or the trailer had all the things that Natalie and I um, love about horror movies. And at the top of that list is gore, and it, it's going for that R rating. So, uh, in terms of uh, that that vibe on set and what the the trailer gives off for the trilogy of these movies, do you think it's going to, you know, target that audience? for us as we were growing up as kids loving those books and now we want that hardcore r-rated horror movie when we go uh either to a theater uh when it's safe again or on our streaming services yeah i mean that was like one of the best parts about reading these scripts i mean when i was auditioning for it and i sort of got further and further into the process at a certain point and this is back when the films were 20th century box films they sent me all three scripts in one night, like, hey, read all these tonight. Let us know if you're interested. And I'm like, that's hilarious that you think I wouldn't be interested. But sure, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll play your cute little game. So I read all three scripts like back to back to back all in one night. And I kind of stayed up all night reading them. And I was like, wow, these are like really like great rated R, like rated R in the best way. Like, I, I don't want to give away any of like the fantastic violence, but there's some really like great original deaths where you're like, holy like who, like what sick freak came up with that? Yeah. And they, they don't pull their punches. Like, you know, I've, I've seen the first movie and I've seen the third movie and it's, it's brutal. Like there's a couple moments where like my wife was like turning away and I'm like, I have to watch just because I'm so curious, but mm-hmm. it's gnarly. And uh, in terms of like the relation to stranger things, I mean, I keep saying this trilogy is like a cousin to stranger things and not only because of Sadie Sink and Maya Hawk, but, Lee Janiak, our fearless director for all three movies. I mean, her husband is Ross Duffer, who's one of the brothers who created Stranger Things. Oh, wow. Caleb Heyman, the cinematographer for Fear Street, is also the cinematographer for Stranger Things. There's a lot of overlap in, like, the best, most exciting way. So this is, like, fun, poppy, nostalgic Stranger Things with, like, a rated R twist. Nice. That definitely gets us very excited. I can see the smile on Max's face right now. (laughs) Yeah, uh, there was um when we when we reviewed Freaky last year uh around Thanksgiving um it it filled that need of being a slasher movie that Natalie and I are huge fans of that subgenre of horror while also being gory but also towing the line of what we knew growing up of like the Saw movies and the Hostel movies and there's a point where you can go over that limit and and really hit home an awesome point in the movie and freaky did that really well and i got that same vibe from mm-hmm. the trailer uh for all three trilogies and what's i guess natalie and i definitely want clarification on this because of course it's three movies and they all have a different year attached to them but it all plays into one giant story and you're in the first and the third one so without too many spoilers how does your character play into the, the beginning and the ending of this trilogy? It's a very good question. It's very tricky to explain it without spoiling. <laughs> Here's, I guess, the best way to say it. So, you know, all three movies take place in three different time periods, you know, 1994, 1978, and 1666. So the first two movies sort of utilize two different casts. Like, you've got the 1990s cast and the 1970s cast. And the third movie kind of utilizes both casts in that, like, sort of 17th century world which again, that's not clarifying anything that might actually make it more confusing for you. And that's kind of my, my goal because I wanted to watch these, but mm-hmm. the best way of saying it is like, we sort of play like our 17th century counterparts, if that makes any more sense. 
Yeah, I think that makes sense. That definitely, I think you clarified it without without giving spoilers. And I'm I'm more confused, but I'm also more interested. So. Oh, good, good. <laughs> yeah, all three movies take place, you know, it's like in the, the R.L. Stein fictional town of Shadyside, Ohio. Mm-hmm. But all three movies take place in the same city. And it, it, it's like, as you go through the movies, you're getting like to the root of like why this town, Shadyside, is cursed. So, you know, you end up sort of like, going all the way back to the 1600s to the sort of like puritanical early American witch trials kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. That's probably already saying too much, but <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you guys some extra breadcrumbs. <laughs> Thank you. I'm curious too. So since, you know, like you're saying, each movie takes place a completely different year, completely different time period. So for you as an actor jumping between, you know, 1666, 1994, was that hard for you to do? And did you have a preference on your favorite year? Yeah, you know, just as far as the favorite, I actually really liked the 1666 movie. Only, I guess, mainly because it, it's such uh, a departure from, like, the real world. You know, 90s, yeah, it was 20-some-odd years ago, but it's not a far cry from where we're at today, where the 1600s is like, what a departure. And, you know, like the studios, it was, it was so great. They like built this 17th century village for us, like out in the middle of the woods in Atlanta. It was, it was amazing. It was like, as an actor, it was like so easy to sort of get swept up in the world because I mean, you're doing, you know, five 14 hour days in a row every week in this village. It was, it was wild. As far as like my approach, I mean, I kind of just had to approach them as two different parts, which they are, you know, like, I played a character named Peter in 1994 and he's like the sort of hot shot asshole football player from like the rival school. And he sort of gets you know caught up in the curse of shady side. And then in 1666, I play a, a character named Peter totally like, you know, unrelated. And yeah, I mean, the, the approach was really just like, especially with the 1600s, it was, I approached it as, you know, it's very early American and it's like witch trials. And like, to me, like there's nothing more scary than like, religion and people using religion in the wrong way like when when religion gets in like the wrong hands it's so dangerous actually mm-hmm. so i mean there was a, a big difference with like just the character and the backstory and like who they are on like a moral scale but yeah i just sort of parsed it up into two different pieces which was you know easiest for me for sure. And I feel like a couple of our movies um, for Natalie and I from the past decade that have been at the top of our favorites have kind of fallen into some of these own time periods that the Fear Street trilogy is covering in three separate movies. Of course, like the, the 90s, my favorite horror movie of all time is Scream. Um, and, you know, the the second part definitely has some Friday the 13th, um, sleepaway camp vibes, definitely being at a summer camp. And then we both love The Witch, um, which definitely gets that vibe from the uh the 1666 film which i feel like that it's something we have to go to different places if we want a genre of horror and it's super mm-hmm. interesting that this trilogy is going to cover and, and be ambitious when it comes to hitting all three notes at once over the course of three different weeks which is awesome um did you have a favorite year between the two yeah i mean you're the nineties was cool because it was sort of a, like a blast from the past as far as like the way everyone dresses and the music. And, you know, I, I use music a lot as far as like prepping for certain roles. And I had like a 1994 playlist. It was very like ice cube heavy and, you know, Marky Mark and the Punky Bunch. And, you know, I had some fresh print songs in there and the, I, the music was so fun. But as far as like what I enjoyed the most, I definitely enjoyed the 1600s because 
I did so much research on like the Salem witch trials and that whole like 17th century early American witch craze kind of stuff. And I, it was so new to me. So I, it, it really sort of like piqued my fancy. And again, that whole like religion thing, like religion in the wrong hands. Once I latched onto that idea, it sort of like opened up the world for me. I'm like, okay, I, I think I see my character, Caleb, like he's a, he's a shitty guy. And if anyone's going to use religion in like the worst way, it's going to be this guy. For sure. Now, in terms of specific scenes, because the trailer definitely hints at some crazy gore that's going to come in the film. Um, are there any hints or specific scenes that we should look out for or ones that are like, yeah, that's my favorite one um, from any of the parts of the movies? Yeah, there's there's two moments in 1994 that I think are just spectacular. One is just out of the gate and you'll know what I'm talking about when you see it. It's really like if you love sort of like 90s slasher movies, the first Beer Street is going to like blow your mind. And there's also like this huge sort of climax at the end where there's just one particular death I keep wanting to tell people about, but I just can't because it, it, it's such a spoiler. But there's one death when I'm just like, oh my God, like I rewound it and watched it a few times. I'm like, I was there, but like, how did they do that? Like, it's such, uh, it, it's gut-wrenching. So there's some really spectacular deaths in 1994. And as far as 1666, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's really, you're, you're going to love them. And I, I can't say too much more, but uh, what you're saying was like three different movies in three different time periods. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it's the same sort of like heart throughout all three movies, but you really are getting three different brands of horror. You are getting that 90s scream, like sort of slasher. You're getting the 70s, you know, Friday the 13th, like summer camp. The way they're shot, the way they're edited, the way they're put together, the music, the wardrobe it's all the same people but like they could not be three more different movies it's mm. it's wild it's a really impressive undertaking and you know watching the two movies that I, i've seen i'm so thrilled to like actually think they're good mm-hmm. that's awesome we're so excited um so what was your favorite part about filming these movies and we also wanted to ask you about because we know that you filmed these before covid they were supposed to start coming out last summer and then obviously that didn't happen so what was that experience like like both filming the movies um and then also finding out that they might not come out for a very long time yeah well i'll, I'll start with the first question because that's, that's easier and quicker to answer as far as like what was like the most fun part i mean this was like by far the biggest production i've ever been on you know like i've done so many like just Stupid low budget films. I don't mean like the films are stupid. I mean, the budget is so low. It's stupid that they were able to make movies with that kind of money. And, you know, I, I've done so many projects where it's like, oh, there's like literally 20 people on set. When I showed up for Fear Street, like day one, there's like 160 people milling around. And you know, I'm, a, I'm a pretty confident guy usually. And I've done so many like low budget films. I, I usually walk on the set with a lot of confidence. I walked on to Fear Street with confidence. But as soon as I saw everyone... Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 I panicked, like it, it really sort of rocked me. And in fact, like my very first day on 1994, I show up tons of people. I'm like, Oh shit. Like, what did I get myself into? They, they mic me up and it's the first scene, you know, and like, they just go right like a close up on me. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm trying to like psych myself up. I'm completely seeing red. My adrenaline is so high, but I'm like, okay, Jeremy, you got this. Come on, let's go. We fire off the first take and they, they call cut. I'm like, okay, cool. I think, I think that went well. I think the sound guy comes over. Everyone's resetting and the sound guy comes over and 
he, he readjusts the lavalier mic that's taped to my chest and just really quietly, just to me, he's like, yeah, I'm just going to, to move this because your heart's actually beating so loud we can't oh, hear your wow. lines <laughs> and i'm like wow everyone's in video village like the director and the producers like just listening to my heartbeat and they're just watching my mouth move and they can't hear it. what a terrible first impression <laughs> it proves you're excited yeah it's a great story though. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. um so that was my first impression and uh it was it was good but then it got better after that so i mean just like the scope of the movies and again like them building that village for us out in the woods for the third one it was just so fun. Like it was the most sort of like childlike filmmaking experience I've ever had. And, um, as far as like, you know, waiting two years for them to come out, it was, it was a, an emotional journey because, you know, we did all three of these movies back to back to back in 2019, mm-hmm. which is like, uh, remarkable for like the cast and crew, especially the director and all the crew, they did not stop. And it was like nine months of making these movies. And at that time, you know, it was in the hands of 20th Century, which then got acquired by Disney halfway through shooting the first one. And the promise was like, oh, they're going to be in theaters all one month apart. That was the original game plan. I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, the the, the sort of like film loving romantic in me was like, oh, cool. They're going to be in theaters. Like what a, I don't know, that, that excited me. Yeah. And then the pandemic hit. And I think, you know, it, it kind of like threw Disney for a loop and Disney's like, we're not going to put these on Disney plus they're, you know rated our horror films it's not quite on brand for disney plus and then i think you know that's when netflix came in and they showed a real interest in it and they swooped up the projects and when that was announced i was just like over the moon because i mean who doesn't want a, a netflix original trilogy especially in the vein of like stranger things and it was just like it was yeah it was so exciting when that was announced and yeah now here we are literally two years later and they're coming out yeah i we were talking about this before we started recording that the idea of releasing them one month apart in theaters would have been innovative and super interesting and would have definitely piqued our interest. Uh, you know, but two years later now with the state of the world and how accustomed we are to streaming all of our content. Um, and especially for us who, you know, we we're constantly saying Netflix, we want more horror. Like you, you have other streaming services releasing other content. And then this comes out and it's something that we can look forward to, for the next three weeks in July is uh, it's perfect. It is exactly what we want from our content. And we're extremely excited that it's coming out on Netflix. Um, now in terms of uh, what's next for you, do you have any projects in the works you could potentially talk about, especially in the horror genre, perhaps? Uh, not in the horror genre, but I'm just going to plug my own stuff real quick. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, right. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just going to do that shameless actor thing. Um, <laughs> right when the pandemic started, my wife and I just sort of like put our heads together. Like, okay, what, what can we do with our free time? And we ended up writing a, uh, uh, a piece of film script together and it just started off as sort of like a fun undertaking. And then, you know, we ended up becoming really proud of what we came up with. And at the beginning of this year, we actually got it financed. Like we got two executive producers to come in and, uh, you know, give us the money to make it. So we're actually in pre-production on that. And we start shooting in the fall and we're really proud of it. And, you know, we have a fantastic director on board. His name's Jack Cooper Stimson. He has some really incredible films under his belt and we have a great cinematographer on board. And, you know, we're really swinging for the fences as far as like casting, you know, it's a father son drama. And uh, I, I want to tell you the names that we're looking into to play my dad, but I, I can't just, for, you know, I don't want to change myself, I guess, but yeah, we start shooting that in the fall. And like, um, I'm, I'm 
super excited and proud for that. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah super cool. not a horror film, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. we'll watch it anyway. I mean, talk about making okay, the most you. of making the most of your time in uh, yeah. in quarantine, um, and, and and that's awesome. Um, after doing these three films, though, would you want to go back into horror at all? Yeah, yeah, actually, I mean, the great thing about like a horror film is, you know, I guess as an actor, you don't really treat it as a horror film; you kind of just treat it as a drama. I think. I think as an actor, you kind of treat everything as a trauma, even like comedy. Like you look at Will Ferrell and John C. Riley and Step Brothers, like they're treating that like it's life or death, which is why it's so funny. You know? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean, doing a horror, it was like really elevated drama and an opportunity to like, you know, I play some really sort of like scumbaggy characters in Fear Street. An opportunity to be like that level of a scumbag and to be involved in those sort of like horrific scenarios. What a dream. Like I, I, would, I would kill to do that again. Awesome. So, okay. So we have one last question for you. If you had to name just one thing um, for viewers to get out of the Fear Street movies, what do you hope for? Do I have to choose one? <laughs> no. Okay. I'm going to give you two. Um, <laughs> well, one I already touched on. I mean, like you're literally getting three completely different horror films, like back to back to back in your living room. And I promise like they're so damn good. Um, so that's great. And also, this is like a big mainstream studio horror trilogy where front and center, you have a queer love story and it's fantastic. And I'm so grateful to be a part of something so special like that. Awesome. Amazing. Yeah. So thank you so much for hopping on. This has been so much fun. And now I'm even more excited. I think I'm most excited for 1666. Now you really hyped it up. Um, good. Okay. <laughs> not wait. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, you guys are great. Thank you so much for talking to me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. All right. So thank you, Jeremy, for joining us. I think that was super, super exciting. And Max and I cannot wait to watch the Fear Street movies. Like I said early on in the podcast, the first movie, 1994, drops on Netflix Friday, July 2nd. We're already in July. Insane. So that's a week from today. Don't miss it. And Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week with a new episode. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.